Good morning again. How many had your coffee this morning? How many have your coffee yet? Okay. Last Sunday we started in Hebrews. The first coffee in the Bible, right? Hebrew. I don't know where I got that from. Oh, hey, I, I know who the author of the book of Hebrews is. They, they, no one knows. God. All scripture is inspired by God, profitable for teaching, right? Come on, loosen up a little bit. How many were good students in school? How many like were had struggle with what did they say? What did she say? What me? It is an interesting, isn't it interesting? Now that some strive or thrive in, in the school learning. And others are like, well, hmm, I want to get through it so I can get on with life. Right? But whether, whether you were good at school, it doesn't really matter so much. Is that right now in your life, you're still trying to figure out what you want to do with your life. How many are there? <laughs> oh. Hmm. oh, so I'll put to put uh, our young people at ease. We're still trying to figure it out. No, there's a lot of things we get to do, or we maybe want to do, or would like to try our hand at. And God is good to us. He allows us to do things. He gives us things to interests and passions and dreams. And life is good because God is the giver of it. But I titled my message today, Pay Attention, because it comes out of the verse that we're going to read. Because Before we get to chapter 2, a little bit on angels. We didn't cover angels last week. Chapter 1 dealt with angels. They talked about uh, a lot of the angels as ministers to the Lord. Guess what? God didn't call the angels to preach the gospel, did he? He made, made some of them, some of them gave announcements, like Gabriel to Mary, and you know, there's a warring angel, Michael, he's in charge of the warring angels, protecting angels. There are a whole host of angels in heaven, two-thirds, one-third went with Satan, two-thirds stayed with God. Guess what? There's more of us and more of them. Amen. There's two-thirds of the angels stayed with God. They're not going to bow down to Satan and they're going to let anything else get in their way. In the church, in the church, we need people that's going to say the same thing. I'm not going to bow down. We need people in like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Shadrach, Meshach, and Tabedbego, we used to say with our girls. We read the story and we 
talk a little about it. I came up with that in my own mind. You know, when you read the Bible, sometimes you just feel like, it's, what is this all about? What is this talking about? And Hebrews is kind of gets into the depth of the Old Testament stuff. And in one place later in the book of Hebrews, he said, if I were to go into detail, it would take so much time, we wouldn't have time for it. And he kind of bypasses it and gets to the point, like you wish the preacher would today. Get to the point. And so with God, it's a lot of our details in our life are like, as we go along, we're going to, we're, you're going to pick up on things as we go along. So school for me was like, I wasn't very good at putting it on the paper. I was a better learner, better learner at getting it when I got out on the field of life. And I started learning hands-on stuff. And I started learning uh, perhaps a little more, well, we've got to learn how to deal with people now. <laughs> I think pastors should probably learn how to deal with people. Right? You think that's good? But a lot of you have good people skills. It takes people skills. It takes skills to deal with people because life is full of people. Whether you like them or not, I mean, you have a confrontation. Even some of us had confrontations last week with people. Right? People sometimes can make you mad. Make you angry. A lot of the reason we're upset is because certain people, groups or whatever, families, whatever, stresses in life. And what it all boils down to, what is it really, what's the most important thing in my life? This verse that I'm going to read today is right here. Is connecting with our Lord. In verse 1 of chapter 2, it says, For this reason we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard. Well, what? What? For this reason we must, play, must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away. The world is bidding for your attention. Come on over here. The party's over here. Come on over here. Join us over this. Go do this. I mean, there's so much draw, so much pull. We can get so overly involved, and it's something we have to fight for, isn't it? It's something we have to guard against that we keep our attention to the Lord, number one. If I, will, if I will seek the Lord, if I will seek Him first, He will add all these other things. So we read on a little bit more. For it is the word spoken through the angels. Now, this is interesting. For if the word spoken through the angels proved unalterable, and every transgression and disobedience receive the just recompense. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation after it was at the first spoken to the Lord? It was confirmed to us by those who heard, God also bearing witness with them, both signs and wonders by various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. That's a whole mouthful there, isn't it? He's dealt with angels. What, what is he talking about? The angels weren't called to preach the gospel but they were involved with, it seems to suggest in Psalm 68, verse 17, re a reference to the Mosaic law when they were on Mount Sinai. Chariots of God are marauded thousands upon thousands. The Lord is among them. Can you imagine the sight? In the book of Hebrews, I think it talks about they were, they were so terrified. In the Old Testament, they were so terrified. They, were, they, were just, they, they didn't want to be... They were afraid for their lives. They're afraid their lives were going to drop dead. You see, we can't go into the presence of God in our human state. We can't be in the fullness of God's presence. We would die. We have to be transformed. In order to be, uh, be able to go into the real presence of God, we're going to be changed. That's what the Bible says. We're going to be changed. 
this body's going to put on immortality. Then we're going to be prepped to go into heaven with God and speak to face to face. Now we see in a mirror dimly, right? We see by faith. We walk by faith. We don't have all the answers. Guess what? Get over it. We don't have to have all the answers. No one really has all the certainty. There are end-time events that people, scholars, have wrestled over years and years and years and still don't just, they do, can't come to an agreement. Isn't that just like God? But well, he's in control. And that is what we can rest on today. We can pay attention that we don't get sideswiped, sidetracked, and getting off into little tangents, and getting you know, our eyes off the Lord and getting so caught up in the things of the world and life can get so crazy busy that we can get, like the verse we read, lest we drift away from it. Now, no one wakes up in the morning and says this, I think I'm going to backslide today. Right? Doesn't happen that way. I think of the, the man Samson, you know the story, you know how he has supernatural strength, he took the gates of the city and carried them miles and miles away on his back, no big deal. Unbelievable, supernatural, but it got to his head. And when God was ready to use him, and he did use him, Samson had been flirting with sin. And Samson found himself without his strength when he needed it. It drifted. He drifted. And he didn't even know that the Lord had left him. The Lord had withdrew his blessing. It's a terrible place. That's another sermon. That's another sermon all of its own. Sin blinds. Sin grinds. Sin binds. I think that's the word. Sin blinds. Binds. Sin blinds. And sin grinds. So Samson wound up, uh, gouged his eyes out. They bound him first. They couldn't break the ropes. Before he did, before he cut his hair, you know, in the story. Before all that. He just popped them. It was no big deal. But once they found out the secret, he opened himself up. When you open yourself up to the devil a little bit, what does he do? He takes advantage of it. And so there's so much, so much going here. But to pay attention to the details of our life, the innermost being, the little voice in our heart that says, that's not good. Don't go there. Right? The Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, has speaks to us in a still small voice. To be intentional. And so I'm going to be in an efficient mode, and you put your, you know, maybe you didn't have an anchor. And you drifted. Right? The waves, the wind make you drift. You thought you were going to, you know, it looked like you're, I'll just stay here, but you're moving. If there's any wind at all, you'll be moving, right? And so if you don't make adjustments to that, you don't have an anchor, you'll be soon drifting. Drifting, drifting is a, is, a, is a sort of casual, some slow, put the frog in the water, you know, in the story, and put the heat to them, and they just sit there. Slow, warmed up, you know, they don't jump out. I've never done that. But I heard it, that's what way, way it works. And so this idea of just so well, we're just, we're just kind of coast along. 
is not against, it's not God's plan and purpose. Our God is wanting us to be intentional. In fact, He wants us to pursue Him with all our heart. And why was David the man after God's own heart? What did, how, did, how did that happen? What was, it, what was he like? David had a heart to pursue God. David so often prayed, Lord, should I go into this battle or shouldn't I go? Do I have your blessing or do I not? He was a, had a passion to hear from the Lord. He learned how to worship as he was a shepherd boy. He learned how to swing a sling and use a sword later in his life. He knew how to divide the word. He was used to pen much of the psalms that we have. Picture in your mind. One of my first canoes was an old wooden tub that you had to soak it before you went into the water. How many had those old tubs? I mean, this is ancient stuff. Little strips of wood, and of course they dry out, they get leaked. So if we're going to go pick rice that fall, we had to soak the, the thing in the water overnight and pull it out in the morning, and then we were good to go. Boats are amazing tools. You put a, I don't know, have you ever tried to sail a canoe? That, that's, a, that's a way out there. That's way. My friend Brad, he wanted to learn how to pick wild rice, so he said, let's go, let's go. We'll go out to Mallard at the good picking lake. And he goes, I think we should bring a tarp with us. And I said, ah. Sure enough, he was right. The clouds came in. We were way out there yet. We had about another hour left, and boom, boom, we could hear it in the distance. And I'm thinking, Brad, I'm glad you were persistent about that tarp. So we hunkered down. You ever been under a tarp in a rising boat, and worms and bugs are in there, and the air is stale, and it's crackling lightning, and we had the wisdom to put down our pole, you know, in a big, lay that down. Just bam, bam, and loud, praying that God would spare us. But we made it out. But we made it back. And we had an experience, and we created a memory. Intentional. What am I saying to my family that's intentional? Letting them know I love them. Letting them know I'm proud of them. They need to hear it from me. My kids need to hear it from me. My wife needs to hear it from me. She tells me that from time to time. I need to hear words. I use them up all on Sunday morning, and then it's kind of grunts and groans from them. But we're working on it. We're all in process. We have to pay attention to maybe what a person is, you know, taking that extra second or two to just say nothing and listen before I speak, right? Learning how to sense if someone else is really in, down. That's a skill. 
It, it takes intentionalism. Intentionalism, meaning I, I need to be careful lest I just become casual and miss out on the opportunity that God orchestrated for me to help out with. You know that God is always at work. Philippians 2, verse 12. God is not just, you know, we read chapter 1. He sat down at the right hand of God. That, that, that means he's at the place of honor. Do you know that Jesus is working in heaven? That verse that, uh, that you see up on the screen talks about working out your salvation with fear. We talked about that. What does that mean? He talked about you work out your relationship with the, you work on things in your life that God is working on. Work it out. Lest we become calloused, right? Indifferent, just kind of nothing really matters. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 and 2 speaks about seeking the things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Let your mind, what? Let your mind on things above, not on the things that are on earth, right? If we only think on this world, what's going to happen to us? It's going to be gloom and doom. It can be discouraging. But there is a heaven above and there is a God above that says, I am preparing a place for you, but where I am, you may be. He's not just sitting there waiting for the day to come, but he is working, preparing. At the same time, he's working in the earth, in people, tribe, tongue, and nation. Every person... He wants to hear the witness of the gospel that Jesus saves. They were filled in Acts chapter 2, right? The day of Pentecost, they were all filled, the 120 that were gathered in the upper room. But later in the book of Acts chapter 4, verse 31, we read this. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak. In other words, they need to keep up fresh oil in their heart. Fresh wind, they keep being filled. Keep being filled. Every day we can be filled as we call upon the name of the Lord, and we can keep ourselves from just becoming Social, casual, just adrift, not really hitting the mark, not really being pursuing, but just sort of coasting. Our second point is this. Verse 10, I'm skipping down in the act of Hebrews chapter 2. Our second point is perfected through suffering. This is in reference to Jesus. For it was fitting for him for whom are all things and through whom are all... This is, a, this is the mouthful. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10. For it was fitting for him for whom are all things. And through, through whom are all things. Chew on that a little bit. Just chew on it a little bit. Sometimes I'll read and I've got to chew on that. 
It was fitting for him for whom are all things. I can, I can get that. And through whom are all things. In other words, he's the creator. Everything that we have that is good is from God. And even when God created the earth and said it was good, right? He said it was good in the beginning until sin entered the picture. Then it wasn't so good. It was a penalty because of the sin. Vernon asked me the other day, why did God make those, what was it, snakes or something like that? And, and maybe it was horse flies. I don't know, something like that. Why did God make horse flies? Well, in the beginning, I believe everything was perfect. Everything was in harmony, and I don't think we had mosquitoes. But when the curse came, Animals changed. Everything was effective when sin entered the picture. This verse is referring to our Lord and our Savior. He's like bringing many sons to glory. We read more in the verse 10. It is intent. God is intentional, isn't he? God himself pays attention to what's going on in the lives and hearts of people, and he wants to bring many sons to glory. He wants to bring your family to glory. He wants your children and their children to be in the kingdom of God forever and ever. That's the heart of God. And when you are suffering and concerned about your loved ones, the Lord suffers right along with you, and he intercedes as you pray to him, and he intercedes for your people. Perfected. You see, Hebrews will get into this whole idea. Jesus becomes, he is our high priest, and he, he earned that because he understands the world that we live in. He understands humanity. He understands temptation. He understands pain. He understands rejection. He understands all that you and I ever face, even when we cannot express our own feelings. The psalmist said, he knows my thoughts from afar off. Even when we're frustrated with sometimes family members, etc., 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 frustrated with people in this life, we can come back to this and say, you know what? There is an anchor. There's the person of Jesus. And let's, let's be strong. Let's be anchored to him. Jesus, I wanted to read Colossians chapter 1. A few verses that will give light on to this other scripture that we just read in Hebrews 2.10. You know what I've learned? The Bible sheds light. Other scriptures shed light on other scriptures. It's all tied together. So look at these verses. For by him all things were created. That's pretty easy to understand both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created by him and for him. In other words, he's in control. He made this world for him. 
and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Very similar to Hebrews chapter 1. He holds all things together. In other words, when the world's seemingly spinning out of control, things are crazy, God is going to be in charge of the future. And especially eternal. Eternity is set in motion. And his heart is that people will be in eternity with him. That's God's heartbeat. Okay? Now, I'm going to kind of move on to our third point. Because I really love this point. And we're going to call this point third point now, guys. There you go. Defeated the devil. Genesis 3, 15. This is after the fall of Adam and Eve. God came looking for them. And now here comes the price. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head. Who's he? Jesus shall bruise Satan on the head. When did that happen? I believe it happened at the cross in the resurrection. It sent a blow to Satan's head. It really rattled him because Satan thought, I, had, I got him now. And guess what, Satan? The Bible refers to a scripture, a passage, Jesus went down into the depths. He took the keys. He took the authority away from Satan. He gave a blow to his head. Though it cost Jesus, that's where we get to the, the, the part, and you shall bruise him on the hill. It bruised Jesus. He was bruised for our transgression. He was bruised. He was beaten. He was nailed to the cross. He tortured. He gave his life. It all started way back then. And so, when we read these verses and we think, what is happening now? The devil knows all about Scripture. The devil knows a lot about God. And therefore, it seems like the devil wants to take everything that God has and try to imitate it and make it just the opposite. I love the verse in Ephesians 1. 22 and 23. And he put all things in subjection under his feet. This is Jesus. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. Which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. We used to sing a song way back in the day. He's under our feet. Right? The devil is under our feet. Because Jesus is in our heart. And Jesus takes authority. And you have authority in Jesus' name to walk free from the devil's schemes. Though he may try to get at you. 
And then, yes, sometimes we may feel his oppression. We may feel his discouragement. We may feel that he tried to take us out, but God is greater. I want to read a story from Matthew 8 that it's just a, just a dynamo story. There's a real insight into this passage about the future and the destiny of the devil. Verse 28. And when he had come to the other side, into the country of the Gadarians, two men who were demon-possessed met him. They were coming out of the tombs. They were so exceedingly violent that no one could pass by that road. I mean, just imagine, they're just swiping at you, just unbelievably supernatural demon possession. And behold, they cried out, saying, what do, you, you, what do we have to do with you, Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Insight into future. Have you come to torment us before? They know their time, their day, their destination. They know, they know that they don't know the day, but they know that the day will come when they will be put in a place. Demons run. They have to leave in the name of Jesus. Unless the Lord builds the house, they who labor, labor in vain. Coming into faith means that we accept the Lord for what he has done for us and whatever condition we may have or meant gone through, I believe the Lord cleans up the heart and the whole thing inside them, what may be things that need to be worked on through, a, through the Holy Spirit. This story is amazing. Verse 30, Matthew 8, 30. Now there was a distance from there a herd of many swine feeding. And the demons began to treat him, saying, If you are going to cast us out, send us into the herd of swine. This is a crazy story. And he said to them, Be gone. He didn't, he didn't have to even pray more than one word. Be gone. And they came out and went into the swine. Behold, the whole herd rushed down to the steep bank into the sea and perished in the waters. And the herdsmen ran away and went to the city and reported everything, including the incident of the demonics. And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus. This is the great, one of the great testimony evangelism. This is, this is power evangelism right here. And the whole city shows up to meet Jesus. An extraordinary miracle. And they saw him. They entreated him to depart from the... They, they weren't... Necessarily, this just like this is crazy. They just saw two guys being delivered from demonic, but they didn't want they didn't want to give up. They didn't want to, they didn't want Jesus in their they made Jesus made them uncomfortable. And you will find this in the world. Not everyone will accept the gospel. But that doesn't mean we stop speaking the truth. We just love them. We have to expect opposition. And looks like it's going to happen. How many have had mission trips where you say, everything that could go wrong would go wrong? Mission trips, prime example. 
Everything we're going to step, anything that we're going to do to step out to promote the gospel, Satan is right there to try to hinder, 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 hinder. Can't find your things. You can't. You, you, you forgot. You know, somebody's not. The plane is. You know, it just goes on and on and on. But guess what? The devil knows where the power is. It's in the name of Jesus. And we, you and I. And also speak the name of Jesus in your situation. You ever feel like, man, there's something heavy in the room. There's something heavy. You're driving along, whatever, wherever it may be. There's something heavy. You just feel it. You begin to speak the name of Jesus. Some people have had nightmares and dreams. Some of our young people, you know, we used to talk to them in youth group. You feel, you feel afraid. Start crying out to Jesus. Speak in the name of Jesus. Because I believe the demons are still leaving. Relief. Deliverance. There's no power that's too great for our Lord. There's a battle. Another story I don't even have it in my notes. The disciples went out preaching. And there was an instance where they prayed and they couldn't, they couldn't get rid of the demons. And Jesus said, some, some things don't come out except prayer and fasting. What is it about fasting? God calls us. Actually, there's it's scripturally, even, even in the Bible, it was a routine. It was, it, was, it was part of the life. Fasting, maybe a meal, a day or two or three. And Jesus fasted 40 days, which is, that's a long time. Why did he do that? It was prior to his public ministry. Right? It's before he went into the public ministry. And then he was tempted by the devil. The devil was going to try to take him down. Tempted him with fame, fortune only. If you, you, know, if you do this, you, you'll have all this. And every time Jesus combated with the word of God, it, it is written. It is written. And Jesus defeated the devil again. You see what's going to happen at the end of time. Jesus is going to put the devil locked him up forever and ever in the lake of fire. The day's coming. Is it any wonder then, as we get closer to the end, why is why things are happening as they are? The devil is mad. Well, he's been at it for a long time, trying to destroy families. That's because God instituted the family. And exactly what Satan wants is to destroy families. Get us. To spread strife and be at each other. Oh, may the Lord help us. Oh, may the Lord help us to pay attention to what is happening. I read in my devotions, once in a while I have to underline something, even in the Old Testament, it's like, this is huge. The sons of Issachar, I think it was Issachar, the tribe of Issachar, they understood the times. They understood the times they lived in. 
Isn't that a word for us to... Lord, help us to understand the times I'm living in. Understand the season. And so I can be at peace. I can roll with it. I can go on knowing that God is in control. Paying attention to what's in my heart. Lest I become embittered. Lest I become like them. Lest I let myself drift. Even though it may cost me suffering, it costs suffering to my Lord. There is a degree of suffering that comes with accepting Jesus. Not everyone's going to accept your the gospel. Not, a, every, not even everyone's going to like you. It's okay. Sometimes I'll ask people that are, you know, working, have a of a people person job. I'll say something like, are you keeping everybody happy? And they go, huh, that's like, wow, that's impossible. It is impossible. It's impossible. One pastor said, this wouldn't be so bad if it wasn't full of people. It's this funny thing. Keep your joy. You know what the devil wants to rob you of? Your joy. Your, your song. He wants you to hang up your, your guitar. He wants you to stop living. He wants you to stop shining. He wants you to grow weary. But God wants you. Excel and move forward. We're going to defeat the devil through Jesus' name. Amen? He is defeated already. We just got to step into it. So, our closing song is going to be goodness of God. I'm learning this song, it's still fresh to me. But I guess it was the number one song for a long time. Why do I like this song so much? Because when I sing about all my life you've been faithful, I can go back and rehearse through the years. Lord, you were you were with me then. Is this on? I need to turn this off. Okay, there we go. There we go. This one, I don't want to speak into the air and it's like nothing's coming in here. <laughs> Life is. So, so often I know it's not we don't just live in the past we can't live in the past right it's impossible but we learn from the past it's like the old saying you don't let the dog bite you twice you know you, you learn from your mistakes how many learn more from your mistakes than your successes probably more than you and yet God's still faithful 
reaching out to you and I. So we're not always going to get it right. We're not always going to be. We sometimes we'll get mad at our, we'll we'll get mad at our own self. I'm that way. Overall, though, he's proud of you. You need to hear this. The Lord is proud of you. And he's looking for you to come and rest in him, not, not strive, not, not trying to be making things happen, allowing him to lead you.